Time to Shift is a podcast that aims to inform on energy and climate-related affairs with the intent to contribute to a low-carbon economy. My name is Hugo, and in this episode we are going to talk about greenwashing. We will be covering what this practice is, why it is so widespread, how to spot it, and how to move away from it and towards real solutions. Greenwashing is defined by the Oxford Learner's Dictionary as activities by a company or an organization that are intended to make people think that it is concerned about the environment, even if its real business actually harms the environment. The term was coined by New York environmentalist Jay Westervelt in 1986, and its use grew as the practice became more widespread. It is derived from the term whitewash, which means using misleading or biased information to cover up scandalous information. Greenwashing is used by companies because the public now values environmental actions. Greenwashing helps the company maintain a good image to its stakeholders. This in turn helps companies attract new clients, employees, and retain current employees by pretending to have a positive environmental impact. Sustainability has emerged as a key focus of business strategy and communication for many companies. A 2020 KPMG study found that 96% of the largest 250 companies report on their sustainability performance, and amongst the 100 largest companies of 52 different countries, 80% report on their sustainability performance. Environmental, Social, and Governance Reporting, abbreviated to ESG reporting, is a corporate communications practice where a company can disclose its sustainability strategy and programs. If done well, it can detail the sustainability risks and opportunities a company faces and be transparent about what they're going to do about it. In principle, ESG reports are expected to demonstrate how a company achieves responsible business conduct, which is defined by the OECD as making a positive contribution to economic, environmental, and social progress with a view of achieving sustainable development and avoiding and addressing adverse impacts related to an enterprise's direct and indirect operations, products, or services. Although there are global reporting standards in place for ESG reporting, companies can choose whether to follow them or not on a purely voluntary basis. Few governments have set explicit regulations and requirements on ESG reporting. When they do exist, they will tend to focus on national operations only, and will differ somewhat from one country to the next. ESG reports are typically not subject to external examination, except for large multinational companies. Unfortunately, this leaves room for companies to oversell their sustainability performance to external stakeholders. For some industrial sectors, it is inherently difficult to align growth strategies with commitments to sustainability. For some companies, growing while decreasing their environmental footprint is strictly impossible. When faced with this incompatibility between environmental responsibility and growth, companies will tend to use their communication tools, including ESG reporting, to mislead stakeholders and oversell their sustainability commitments. In other words, practice greenwashing. The stronger the incompatibility, the more blatant the greenwashing. In this talk, we will be using greenhouse gas emissions as a benchmark to break down examples of greenwashing. Limiting global warming to 2 degrees Celsius according to the Paris Agreement is currently the main environmental objective which companies try to address in their communications. They will try to write up a strategy that indicates they are doing their fair share to decrease global greenhouse gas emissions. 
to help distinguish between effective and ineffective greenhouse gas emissions reduction strategies, here are some characteristics of an effective strategy. The engagements must lead to a rapid decrease in greenhouse gas emissions. The strategy must involve the whole supply chain of the company and the whole life cycle of their product. Theoretically, if the strategy was applied to all companies in the sector, it should enable the entire sector to decrease its greenhouse gas emissions in line with the 2 degrees target. If an emissions reduction strategy does not exhibit these characteristics, then the company is creditable at best, but the strategy is not at the scale required to meet the Paris Agreement. To better understand what causes companies to practice greenwashing and how to identify it, we will look at three examples of large companies which have recently reported on their sustainability goals. Air France, an international airline, DPD, an international parcel delivery service provider, and Porsche, a luxury car manufacturer. These three corporations operate in sectors where it is extremely difficult to decouple business growth from increased greenhouse gas emissions, because the core of their value chain involves carbon-intensive activities. Air France reported that it aims to decrease its greenhouse gas emissions per passenger kilometer by 50% in 2030 compared to 2005. To accomplish this, the airline is relying on using more efficient planes and optimizing flights, for example by reducing onboard mass and improving flight logistics. Even though this target may seem aggressive, it does not take into account the predicted growth of the aviation sector. Airbus forecasts that the number of plane passengers will triple by 2030 compared to 2005, with 15 trillion passenger kilometers in 2030 compared to 5 trillion 25 years earlier. If we were to apply Air France's strategy to the entire aviation sector, its absolute carbon emission would still increase by 50% by 2030, which takes us far from a rapid and global decrease in emissions. If Air France wants to try to meet the greenhouse gas emissions targets required to respect the Paris Agreement, it needs to reduce its absolute emissions, not only emissions per passenger kilometer. DPD, the parcel delivery company, announced that it has been carbon neutral since 2012. Based on current technologies, being carbon neutral requires the use of carbon offsets, which are defined as a way for a person or company to reduce the level of carbon dioxide for which they are responsible by paying money to a company that works to reduce the total amount produced in the world. The first option used by DPD to offset its emissions is planting trees. There are a few issues with this option. Firstly, there is a lag period of about 10 years before a planted tree starts absorbing carbon, meaning that there is a delay between when a company claims the emissions reduction and when this actually takes place. Secondly, there is no guarantee that the trees will live long enough to store a significant amount of carbon, especially when wildfires are so common. It is also not well studied whether a planted tree will develop into a forest ecosystem and permanently act as a carbon sink, or whether the trees will eventually die and release the carbon they absorb during their lives. Additionally, there is a problem of scale with using tree planting as a carbon offset. One hectare of growing trees will store about 8 tons of CO2 per year, and humanity emits 40 gigatons of CO2 equivalent per year. This means that to offset our total carbon footprint, we would need to plant trees on 5 gigahectares, which equals roughly three times the size of Russia. Hence, we can see that this method, despite being creditable, cannot be used as a global solution and is likely not reliable enough to help us stay in line with the Paris Agreement. 
The second option used by DPD to compensate for its emissions is to finance external projects with sustainable goals. This could, for example, be investing in building renewable power plants and claiming a portion of the associated avoided carbon emissions. This is once again not a true solution as even if DPD helps another company to reduce their emissions, these projects have no impacts on DPD's actual emissions. For this reason, carbon offsets are not accepted by the Paris Agreement, which aims for global emissions reduction. DPD also announced a 30% reduction in the emissions per package delivered. Although this is creditable, similarly to Air France's pledge, it does not necessarily mean that DPD will reduce its absolute greenhouse gas emissions. We must hence be wary of carbon offset schemes and carbon neutrality claims, as they are only viable solutions if the company also has a plan to reduce its own emissions in line with the Paris Agreement requirements. Our final example is Porsche. Porsche has recently announced that it will be decreasing its emissions by 75%. Impressive, isn't it? Unfortunately, Porsche's claim only considers the emissions from its own operations, like manufacturing, and not from the entire value chain. According to an analysis by Carbon4, this translates to 0.75 tons of CO2 equivalent being avoided per car produced, which is not insignificant. However, on average, Porsche's cars emit 182 grams of CO2 equivalent per kilometer over their entire life cycle. Assuming that a car's lifespan is 100,000 kilometers, the reduction from Porsche's target would only capture 4% of the car's total carbon footprint. In conclusion, the auto manufacturer is not considering the full life cycle of its products when making plans to reduce emissions. Given the global nature of climate change, companies should aim to reduce their emissions across their entire value chain. Porsche's target, although ambitious when it comes to its own operations, is hence incompatible with the Paris Agreement. A growing number of corporations do have commendable emission reduction plans in line with the Paris Agreement. The Science-Based Targets Initiative is a multi-stakeholder initiative backed by the UN, which defines what a good target should consist of in order to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees. Companies have to submit their interest and target for review and validation by the Science-Based Targets Initiative. By the end of 2019, they had validated 285 plans representing the equivalent of France and Spain's combined emissions. And the numbers keep growing. Currently, more than 1,400 companies have submitted their plans to the Science-Based Targets Initiative, and 700 have been validated. While this is great and encouraging news, we must accelerate and avoid being naive, as corporations will always prioritize the low-hanging fruits of emissions reduction. How will they proceed once these have been exhausted? Let us look at an example of such a situation. L'Oréal has, under its science-based target, decided to cut its global emissions by 25% over the 2016-2030 to period. Previously, the company had already reduced the emissions of its factories by 300 kilotons of CO2 equivalent for 2018. This gives us a benchmark to compare the scale of the new goal, which amounts to 3,000 kilotons of CO2 equivalent, 10 times more than the previous target. This task is huge and will certainly be complex to achieve. On top of this, to be in line with the Paris Agreement, a new goal of a similar magnitude will have to be set in 2030. All of this is clearly easier said than done. 
In the defense of companies, they are entities whose key purpose is to generate value and defend their private interests. This may unfortunately leave little space for ethics. It is the government's duty to ensure that the common interest, reducing greenhouse gas emissions in line with the Paris Agreement, is prioritized over private interest, profit. Ultimately, our governments are responsible for ensuring that their citizens are well-informed and healthy. They do bear some degree of responsibility in the proliferation and use of greenwashing, and should do their share to limit its various side effects, including the following examples. Firstly, by misleading consumers into thinking that they are taking real actions for the climate, companies are encouraging consumers to maintain habits with harmful effects on the environment. After all, if a return flight from Paris to Barcelona costs $30 and is carbon neutral, why would I think twice? Secondly, companies are damaging the democratic debate on climate change by filling the minds of individuals with false solutions. Greenwashing is only delaying the implementation of serious greenhouse gas emissions reduction plans. We will end this talk with a few rules of thumb to avoid falling for companies' ever more convincing environmental PR schemes. The decrease in emissions should be immediate and not planned for 2035. The company should state their emissions reduction goal in absolute terms rather than in relative terms, such as emissions emitted per unit of business metric. Be wary of carbon offset schemes and carbon neutrality claims as they can be misleading. If in doubt, check whether the company's plan has been registered and validated by the Science-Based Targets Initiative. This talk was based on a conference organized by the Shifters for students at leading French universities. Some of the sources used can be found in the description of the podcast. This podcast was produced by the Shifters, volunteers supporting the Shift Project. The Shift Project is a French think tank advocating the shift to a post-carbon economy. Stay tuned for more Shift!